Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of February 15th. Yes. Hi, I'm your host, Dustin. And with me, I have I will never be good at an intro for as long as I live. Gone, I've gone over 350 episodes and I still can't do an intro to save my life. Uh, <laughs> with me today is Larry. Hiya, and welcome to BakaCast. Uh, I should just have Larry do intros. <laughs> ben. You. Emily. Hey. <laughs> and Aaron is here somewhere if he's not distracted by hey. killing indigenous wildlife. I, I no, no, I'm not distracted tr- anymore because the idiots died to his uh, Nova attack. Oh, okay, so you got carded. Good job. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they got carded. I just lost like 20 minutes of everything. Oh, so yeah. more more accurately, your your allies let you down. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't die at all. No, Sorry, nice. buddy. Yeah, his his pug pugged him. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Such is the fate of monster hunters. Uh, anyway, show notes. As always, you can find show notes at www.projectharihi.net or at audioentropy.com. And as always, we will start with Card Captor Soccer, a clear card, episodes five and six. And hey, Rika's back. Yeah, uh, at least on a phone call. Um, I was a little worried when it said like, "Oh, she's so busy with school stuff." Because I'm like, "Yeah, what kind of school stuff is she busy with?" Because like, again, yeah, but like, it it didn't really seem like it was going that direction. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, we we did. Did I mention last time if I was curious if Kara had a Twitter or not? Because we learned this episode uh, that he has a smartphone, which I was pretty happy with. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine he has probably has a Twitter. I feel like he almost certainly has an Instagram, right? <laughs> I, well, I think I was saying, actually, I, I asked, does Tomio have an Instagram? That's just exclusively pictures of Sakura. Oh. Yeah. Tomio, <laughs> like, a thousand percent has an Instagram. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, she 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 was probably like an early adopter of Flickr. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, and like I I liked uh, Caribou. Like, Do you think she has an Etsy novel. shop? Uh, hmm. Yeah, totally. Because she makes tons of. Co- I mean, no, she doesn't because she only cares about making costumes for Sakura. That's true. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't sell them. They're exclusively as a show of love for her one true partner, Sakura. It's true. It's true. Um, so the first episode I, was really cute. I really liked it. Yeah, I also like how Caro uses a computer, which is to say he just has to, like, sort of, like, mount the entire mouse in yeah! order to actually get anything done. It's really good, and he apparently took a picture of Sakura sleeping, which is kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, he she did it to make, specifically oh. to make fun of oh, Sakura. Oh, absolutely. Like... It's not, like, a creepy thing. It's just, because, yeah, Caro's an angel. Like, we've, and we finally yeah. get to see his, um... Kasakura's like I like I'm Kasakura's to- like I'm totally a, an adult and Carol's like yeah uh-huh sure <laughs> yeah it's good uh yeah people rip on Sakura a lot in these like, two episodes like um so yeah the first one is all about them like going on a picnic for some flower watching thing and yeah it's just yeah. A, it's a very pleasant like we're all having lunch together thing like it was like you said it before but this is a very pleasant chill show and it I really like it um 
and Sharon comes in the at the end and he's already eaten and that upsets Sakura because she wants to make she made him a bento and everything and yeah. Yeah, and then Sharon has to be like, No, it's fine, I can still eat food, it's fine. Sakura's like, But what if you're still hungry? Don't force yourself and he's like, It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just no. give me the just give me the dang food it was, it was i swear very, to god it was very cute like you're making it sound a lot less like cute but it was very cute oh yeah i know <laughs> no i know yeah totally um i am i am talking as as my mind would be thinking in that scenario which is like just hand me the bento box <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally he's a growing boy he can have a lot of food yeah so, uh, know, they had a lot of food there i was surprised like how much they had i'm like do they think i'm gonna eat it all <laughs> They had artisanal lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, like one of the girls, I can't remember her name. Uh, but she... I... Fuck. It's Char Charu or something like that. It's it's of a CH. I know that because she's named Chelsea yeah. in the dub. <laughs> but yeah, she makes she basically has this like pitcher of lemonade with like thinly sliced lemons inside it. You know, sort of like what you would see at a nice hotel or in the, or in like a Sprouts, Sprouts aisle or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked um, the, the bunny wieners. I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah. The sh- yeah, like I've seen plenty of the octopus ones throughout my various anime watching experiences. Uh but yeah, I haven't really seen a whole lot of the bunny-shaped wieners. It was funny when her, her um when her dad asked like which one do you want, I was like bunnies, and then she immediately said bunnies, and I'm like yes. <laughs> there was a moment there that I was terrified she was going to cut herself with a knife. Oh no, no. When I, whenever people whenever people in a show or movie call attention to like oh be careful with that knife. There's always a part of me that's like, oh god, please don't show them cutting themselves with a knife. Oh no. Is that, is that a, I get super paranoid. Is that is that a sore spot for you? Yes. I don't like people I don't like seeing people cut themselves with knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember way back when uh that episode of Flying Witch where they're doing the cooking class. I, that was re- that was a refreshing that was a that was refreshing there too cuz where they didn't do that. They didn't cut themselves in that one either. Yeah, I was, I was, I remember being terrified by that too. It's like, oh god. Yeah, that would never happen in Sakura, in Clark after Sakura, because like it's, it's very clean show. Like, they like violence happens, but it's very like no yeah. real damage ever happens. No one ever gets cut. Yeah, like so that I was not scared of that myself, but I can understand if it's like, uh, like a yeah. A Speaking of which, Emily, you should totally watch Flying Witch. I mean, like, oh, yeah. the, the title Flying alone Witch. sounds very good. Flying Witch is fantastic. It's also <laughs> a very kind of chill show uh, with not really a whole lot of conflict. It's mostly just there to be nice to watch and for a lot of good character humor. Yeah, it's a healing anime. Nice. Yeah, so Flying Witch is very, very good. Uh, it was one of our favorites from that season, actually. Uh, I... I do like the design of the tentacle tree. Yeah, no, that was like really creepy. That was a cool scene too. It was like, it was a good action set piece where she's being pulled towards the tree and she uses the siege card, which is quickly becoming like a very interesting card. Like maybe one of my favorites of her new cards because of how like 
unique it is. I still don't understand why it's called Siege, but it's yeah, it has a lot of it's, cause like, it's, utility. Because yeah, it's basically like a cube that, uh, like a hollowed out cube that you can control the shape. It, well, not the not necessarily the shape, but like the size and flexibility of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which doesn't really seem very CG to me. And well, transparency apparently now too. You can use well the thing the main well the main use is as a barrier, which is why yeah. they call it, which is why they call it the siege card. Uh, I guess. Uh um But wouldn't siege be like the thing you do to a barrier and not the barrier itself? Well yeah, you use the barrier that's what I was thinking to, too. You use the barrier to defend against the siege. I see, I see. It's 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 actually a lot like the uh, it's a lot like the barriers they use in the show Kekaishi. <laughs> I like when she's being pulled away from the the picnic too because like that she's not moving in a natural way at all and she's like oh, I got a phone call like she's trying to like cover it up and I'm like there's some good dance moves there Sakura like doing that like some little moonwalk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. It is. It is honestly shocking that Sakura has managed to keep her life as a magical girl secret for all this time. Uh, Tomoyu catches on instantly, but can't catch up to her. Well, yeah, well, Tomoyu yeah. knows that but she's like, a magical girl, though. So like, yes, well, yeah, yeah but, but that what was great was yeah, like when she's pulling away, she's like, yeah, I gotta make a phone call. And Tomoyo instantly follows along, takes her camera out and follows along. She grabs but... her camera like it's a weapon she needs to use. Like, it's so good. <laughs> but she misses it and she's very upset about it later, which is very, yeah, I love Tomoyo. And she does a little song thing later with, and we learned that, um, uh, Akiho? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah, yeah. she, um, can sing too. And she's got some, some, she lives with somebody. That she seems to care about a lot, and again in the opener, in the opening, uh, like the, the the musical opening, it shows like um, her with a guy. So I'm wondering if that's the guy, like if she lives with another kid who I guess also takes care of her. It's weird because that shit like that happens in Captain Sakura, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sharon lives on his own in this. Like, they ask her, like, "Do you live on your own?" I'm like, "Is that a normal question to ask other middle schoolers?" Like, I don't know. It's weird. Is <laughs> there <Yeah. laughs> so a lot of like self sufficient? It's like, like that's like a that's like, uh, uh, that's tweens a, that, here. That's a conversation topic you'd have at like 20. You'd be like, "Oh, do you live by yourself?" Or like, <laughs> not like yeah, yeah. At middle school, don't generally ask a 14 year old like, "Hey, how's <laughs> how is it living in your own apartment?" <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, unless you're one of those edgy shonen protagonist 14 year olds whose parents have died <laughs> and you inherited like massive wealth or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the next one is about the record card, and she says, like, oh, I wish I had something that could record early in the episode, and she makes that, like, motion with her hands, that way you, like, pretend you're filming something, and that exact thing happens later on the episode, so it's like, did she just, like, create that card in that instance, and it gets made later, like, because it's kind of, it kind of seems like she's the one making the cards, like, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, when they, when they end up, uh, having the confrontation with the card like Sharon's like I can't sense this shit like it's completely new kind of magic that I don't know how to deal with at all which is interesting <clears throat> yeah Sharon seems very upset about the idea that he didn't even notice it yeah he just he can't really help her at all and again we haven't really done anything with that thing but the last time we did this show and the fourth episode ended with him 
like keeping things from her i'm like what's going on with this like ah. i also found the sixth episode to be a little dull um that song was a little dull to be honest and i think that was the main reason because it went on for a while yeah the problem yeah the problem the problem with that episode was the pacing it was yeah uh, yeah like, even by Cardcaptor Sakura standards, there was not a lot happening in the sixth episode. Yeah. Um, I, I did really like the gag with Caro, with Caro where he transforms into, it, like, his... Is that the first time we big... see him transform in this series? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I believe so, yeah, because yeah. I, I actually didn't know he could do that until this episode. Okay, yeah, no, he could just do that whenever he wants, and yeah, he becomes big, and he's like, look how cool I am, and he, said, he says, like... How how he's a good looking and like in English and I'm like I love Caro so much like yeah he's just so I mean, he does up, look up in cool. his own shit and I love him yeah no he looks he's right he does look cool like if I was Sakura and I had a Caro I'd be like I want to like like cuddling a tiger would be the best thing ever the only thing bad about that is it would kill you but Caro won't kill you so you can like cuddle a big cat that'd be cool <laughs> yeah but, like. So- Sakura just doesn't appreciate what she has. No, no, she really doesn't. Because, I mean, like, again, like, in the first episode, she's like, I haven't used this magic in a while. I'm like, five magic? This shit all the yeah. time. <laughs> I, I would be using those cards constantly. But that her, her um not really getting what's in front of her comes up in the scene because like, she's talking to Mei Ling, who's a character from the first series. And, I, yeah, I guess I'll explain Mei Ling a bit. Mei Ling is um, Sharon's cousin who was engaged to him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of cousin stuff in Sakura uh-huh. too. Um, but, yeah, like, they, they were engaged, and she, I, again, she was a, an original for the anime. She wasn't in the manga at all. They brought her in, and, like, her whole thing was that she was kind of Sakura's rival a little bit. But then, quickly, like, because Sakura's, like, the most perfect little girl in the world, they become friends, and... She's in love with Sharon, and then eventually, like, she, as kids, she was like, I want to marry you unless you find someone else. And Sharon falls nice. in love with Sakura, and there's this really good episode where, like, she, um, where she, Sharon tells her that he loves Sakura. She actually figures it out on her own because he calls her by her, by Sakura's first name, like, in front of her, and he only ever does that with Mei Ling and his sisters. So she instantly knows, like, oh, f- like he likes her and there's this really good scene where like the animated so perfectly where she's like smiling it's like okay Sharon, well i'm gonna go and like you see i i paused it and like at the very last frame of it she's like looks like she's about to cry but she's like smiling when she's turning around it's per- beautifully animated it's a really good episode and uh, and also in that episode she punches like you've seen penguin park right in this show yeah that a lot of shit happens at penguin park and in this particular episode all these little penguins are attacking them and she's and they're made of like concrete and she's slamming them with her fist i'm gonna have so many beeps this episode kicking them oh sorry oh god i forgot about that i completely forgot oh i'm so embarrassed i'm sorry but yeah, she's she's demolishing. You may, it's fine. You're making me work hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, she's a, she's a great character. Like Kung Fu. There's another really good episode where her and Sharon, because they've been training together their whole lives, they're able to combine their fighting styles to beat the twin card, which is a card you have to beat like both the twins like simultaneously to catch it. Like yeah. So she's a great character. We get to see her in here, and yeah, she becomes very supportive of Sharon and Sakura once she cries it out. 
her like losing Chiron as a love interest. And um and here she like she's like, Oh yeah, Chiron's having a great time at school was there's a certain someone around and she's like, Huh? And Bailing's like, Oh, Sakura, you don't def- you don't know what's going on in your life at all. <laughs> You know, but like they're I dating. Would... I don't understand why she doesn't get that. Like they are dating. Like, <laughs> yeah. so you're saying that basically, uh, Mailing is Vegeta and Sakura is Goku. Yeah, kind of. It's, you can make that comparison for sure. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I I never watched the original. I, n- I never watched the original anime. I just read the manga, so I was like, okay, where did this come from? And... Yeah, she yeah she's not in the manga, so I could understand that. Also, like, clear cards uh, based I... off the manga too, so I wonder if she's in the clear card yeah. manga. I'm confused. But huh. yeah. Also, another problem I've had with the with sort of both episodes five and six is that the captures haven't been particularly exciting. Like, there was a little bit of interesting stuff in five. Like, I like the design of the tree, but ultimately, not a lot really happens with it. Like, Sakura kind of just lets herself get pulled in and then captures it. She captures uh, gravitation, and... the Yaoi manga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has been a long time since I've thought about gravitation. Uh, and then in episode six, like, basically nothing happens. Like, she notices the, like, glowy spot on the painting. And it's like, I'm going to capture that. And then she captures it. And there's basically no, like, struggle at all. And it's just a r- extremely boring capture. <laughs> Yeah, no, she just, like, it, it, well, I mean, one thing that's funny about it is it shows, like, is that, it's it's a famous composer, I don't know which one it is, but he's doing, like, the finger thing, and it's, like, hilarious yeah. seeing that, that was pretty funny. Um, uh, and, yeah, the capture wasn't the most exciting, it was very, it was a pretty dull episode for sure. I mean, I still enjoyed it, but for, like, the little things, like, Mailing being in it and seeing, you know, Kara having his funny scenes... Yeah, uh, learning a little bit more about Akihiro Aki and like the, the 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 scene where she made dinner for everybody and like Toya is like criticizing her cucumber and takes a picture of it to send to Yukito. His boyfriend is just like the cutest. But then she has this weird vision in the middle of dinner, which was strange. <laughs> oh yeah, with like the robe person and clocks and years and stuff. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Also, something I've noticed, like, I want to quickly talk about the ending theme animation. Is it just me, or do their designs look a lot closer to what their ages are supposed to be in the ending theme than they do in the show itself? Because, like, it feels like that to me. Maybe? Where they where they look <clears throat> more like high schoolers in the ending theme. Well, they're not high schoolers, they're middle schoolers. Oh right, yeah. So I mean, like, if anything, they're, like, the... they're like older in the ending theme. The ending theme is really good, by the way. I love. Yeah, well, it's... it depends for the middle school thing because middle school in Japan goes up to what would we what we would consider freshmen in high school. What's funny though, because like I'm from Canada, and my high school was exactly like Japanese schools, where like seven, eight, nine was middle school, and then ten, eleven, twelve was high school. Okay. So yeah. like it's a little different depending, but yeah. So I I mean like yeah they're they're, I think it's it's their first year in middle school, so they've been seventh grade, so they're like tops like fourteen. I was uh, thirteen in seventh grade. Yeah, so they they'd be uh they'd be twelve going on thirteen most of them. 
Yeah, so, I think so. How old we... was she in the first series? She was in fourth grade to fifth grade, so she was like eleven. Yeah, like among the magical girl series, even Sakura is even like pretty young compared to other magical yeah. girls. Because I think I want to say uh sailor moon they were all high school students middle school and high school too middle, I mean, middle they're, school? They're, they're okay. in sailor moon as well not in high school too in middle school too i mean in, okay. in sailor moon too god i can't speak <laughs> so, sailor moon series two <laughs> you you wouldn't know right. that i'm on four five podcasts <laughs> of how well i speak um yeah um yeah i believe they're in middle school and sailor moon as well i think sailor moon's 14 you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she's in she's in her second year of middle school in in the well at least in the uh, the first series of Sailor. Yeah, because not, they do not, they do not age to up, right? Yeah. Remember how old Nanoha is in the original series? Uh, Nanoha's like nine. Okay. She, oh wow, that's even younger than. Yes, she's in elementary school, and. Uh, okay. That makes some of the elements of Nanoha even creepier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, again, it makes some of CCS really creepy when Rika is, like, dating a teacher in the manga. Uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. but generally, at least with, but generally with Cardcopter Soccer, at least, I, at least I don't remember ever getting the impression that the show was like, here's some Lollicon fan service. Oh, not at that. all happens in nanoha oh that sucks yeah because oh. like yeah which is which sucks because i actually really like a lot about the world of nanoha nanoha like i actually really dig their magic system because yeah. yeah. it's like magic technology that's cool and some of the stuff oh yeah. yeah and that's that's not even getting into the child abuse which was a no. which was a big which is a big plot element in the first season of nanoha I, I will say that for like all its faults, Carcaptor Sakura has never sexualized any of the kids, which is very good. Yeah, and like yeah, that's... they're all just super adorable and pleasant, and yeah, like even even like again, it's it's a screwed up romance, but they try to say like, oh, Rika the teacher, purely platonic, and like it's still <laughs> not good, but at least like. Yeah, you know. It's, well, yeah, it, it's clear that they're not gonna get, they're not gonna do anything until she grows up. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's still not good. Yeah. That, that's preening. That's a that's a thing that actual predators do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it's got its own sort of issues, but at least it's not like. There, yeah. there, let's say there's a reason why I've always felt uncomfortable about the Precure franchise. <laughs> oh, totally. Um. Yeah. No. I, I like. Yeah. It, well. Yeah. Well. Okay. I, well, I wish she, there were more magical girl shows I could love unconditionally. Well, that's it's the thing. Weird that's that's too, the thing. Cause... That's the thing about magical girl shows. There's two kinds of magical girl shows for two different demographics. There's yeah. shojo magical girl shows, which are which are which are aimed at little girls, and then there's seinen magical girl shows, which are aimed at dudes. Uh, yeah. And Nanaha is a sane and magical girl show. The yeah, Cardcaptor Sakura is definitely for well. girls. Yes, yeah, same. Yes, uh, Sailor Moon also aimed at girls. Yeah, I think uh, probably a, be- a good example of a genuinely shoujo magical girl series would be uh, Shugo Kara. I have actually never heard of that one. Uh, it's by the same. It's by the same authors that did uh, Rose and Maiden. 
and uh, oh really <laughs> yeah That's yeah, another, that's another show I haven't thought about in a very long time. They made another season of it. I never did watch it. Wait, oh. they did? Yeah. Oh, right, they did. Oh, that I season. I forgot was... they made another. Yeah, that, that season was awesome. They, really? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to watch it now. Cause... Yeah, that's that's like a Rosen Maiden is like battle goth lollies, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're getting really off track. Uh, um, I guess, in, 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 yeah, in finale, like, the episodes were cute, and, like, cute things happened in them, but, like, overall, it didn't advance the plot at all, like, the general yeah. overall plot, and they feel very fillery. Mm-hmm. I'll give episode five a four, because I generally like the had more was more entertained by the filler that was in there and mm-hmm. i liked i really liked the design of the evil tentacle tree uh whereas episode six i'll give which, it which three. is a really surprising comment coming from you dustin <laughs> <laughs> i actually like the design of the tentacle tree yeah well that's not. the thing is, is that the, the tree didn't doesn't actually do anything with its tentacles all it is is it's a huge gravitational field yeah it, the tentacles are there just to make it look more intimidating <laughs> Um, whereas in, uh, episode six, like, there's a lot of just kind of dull stuff going on with, like, some really fun jokes interspersed occasionally, uh, mostly, like, with Caro, um, so I'm gonna give that one a three. I yeah. think I would give it the exact same ratings. I, I, <laughs> I, agree. I agree with those ratings. Yeah. I think I enjoyed six more than you did, but I think objectively that yeah it's a three yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's still it's still not bad because like this show is just like it's hard for me to get worked about even worked up about even like the episodes that don't land for me um but yeah it's definitely on the weaker side uh so yeah that'll be it for this week of card capture sakura um and i'm guessing you've been pretty busy so you probably haven't watched anything else no i haven't sadly i do want to get caught up in the magus bride because it looks really good but i think that's the only other thing on the list that i would watch to be honest yeah magus's bride is good Um, you might enjoy place further than the universe yeah maybe i have no idea what it's about i just that's literally the first time i've heard the title so it's it's about four high I believe high, yeah, four yeah. high school girls who uh, go to Antarctica. Mm. So you guys aren't covering Darling in the Franks. <laughs> well, so, I'm, I'm still watching it. It's awesome. Ben, <laughs> ben and Larry, sorry, Ben and uh, Aaron are watching it. But I kind of want to start watching that. <laughs> it's it's good. It's worth it. Ignore Dustin. I, I mean, it's probably bad, but. I I found the first episode to be pretty mediocre, and then the tweets I saw of the second episode just really turned me off of it. That's fair. It's I'm, just completely absurd in such an is, incredibly entertaining way. Which is a shame, because I do really like the mech designs, and uh, I like that the female lead is essentially a succubus. Okay. Um, but I, know, yeah, I know how I much know. you like succubi. I might give another shot. <laughs> what we'll what see. tweets did you see that turned you off so much, Dustin? The ones where it had where it showed like how the mechs were piloted with like 
the women were literally in the fan service motorcycle riding pose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. doggy style. Butts, yeah, where the where their butts were in the air, and then the like Ava style handles like were attached to their butts. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, for the men it's, to for it's, the men to pilot. It's blatantly a sex thing. Like it's blatantly oh, yeah. that. Like I absolutely. Just, and, and I mean, like I have not watched it, so I, I can't really give an opinion on it yet. But like it's objectively like misogynistic and not good. But at the same time, if it shows cheesecake and is upfront about it, I can't fault it that much. But I also I I, their teens, I, I, and that's messed up. So I I, I find. I don't know, like, I found that sort of, like, shtick more charming when it was Aquarian Evol that was, like, trying to be sort of, like, goofy and lighthearted with it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and also wasn't quite as extremely heterosexual. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I can definitely say that about <laughs> Dolly and the Franks from what I've seen. So, Anywho, yeah. that was the yeah, that was the card capture segment. Uh, thanks again for having me on. I can't wait yeah. for the next uh, two weeks from now. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. yeah, so we will see you next week. Right. Not no, next you'll week. See, you'll see. Two you'll weeks. See. Don't we'll listen to ya. me. I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, maybe I'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, have a good one. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, it's the uh, Bacacast speaking curse. Don't worry about it. See Emily. Bye bye. <sighs> <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about Fate Extra no. Last Encore episode. No, swap it, swap it with the next one. Oh, okay. So let's talk about Ancient Magus's ride next. <laughs> because I control this podcast. No, you don't. Okay. Episode you know seventeen Justin. and eighteen. Okay. Yeah. This this gets back to this gets back to the thing where when you're single and have friends and think nothing of your friendships and then all of a sudden you meet somebody and you find out that your friends don't blend with them and their friends don't blend with you and this is an extension of that to a point where she say who's never had friends all of a sudden gets friends and Elias gets exceptionally jealous yeah, Elias uh, is definitely does not come off well in these two episodes. <laughs> well, and I can understand what the premise of it because I've been through the uh, your friends and my friends don't get along bit, and you know I'm going to lose friends in this deal. I either lose friends in this deal or I lose this lose the person I'm with. So. But it's kind of unfair to the point where Chise, like I said, had difficulty making friends to begin with, finally gets friends, and Elias is telling her but not telling her, wait a minute, you either have me or you have friends. Yeah. Also, I think part of it is that Elias, for a long time now, has kind of been used to being the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Chise is making her own universe. And Elias is like, wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait, yeah. Uh, how, huh? Yeah, the nice, the nice thing about, yeah, the nice thing about these episodes is it shows that, yeah, Elias is not as on top of things as, <clears throat> as, you know, he appears to be at first glance. 
okay. Yeah, and and also I appreciate that unlike uh, with some things like this, for example, like uh, Twilight, for instance, um, when Elias becomes dangerous, it's not like, oh, he's such a romantic, like, bad boy kind of emo dangerous. It's like, no, he's, like, basically throwing a child childless temper tantrum, and, <clears throat> and Chisei needs to give him a good talking to. Like, it's not meant to be romantic. It's meant to be, like, Elias is being a douchebag right now. Well, it's showing... It, yeah, it, that is right. Like, this Elias's attitude in these episodes is not... Is not present... Is not, like, shown... It's not in the show. It is, in fact, it's a character flaw and not a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to admit that, you know, Chise... She handles it relatively well, considering. I did really like the segments where Chise turned into a wolf and then a bear. That was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, it leads me to believe thou shalt not uh, anger Chise. <laughs> I mean, you did see what she did to uh, uh, the other guy's apprentice when she tried to uh, take the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she uncorked yeah. her sleeping juice. I was like, "Huh, <laughs> this is actually pretty useful." Yeah, Chise is uh, rapidly becoming a force to contend with. Yep. Uh, especially since she has a dog, like a fancy dog familiar, uh, <laughs> and can just like summon phoenixes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I I do really like the design of Elias in sort of like losing control mode. It's very it reminded me a lot of oh gosh, what am I thinking of? Princess Mononoke? Yeah. And sort of the the infection um uh that uh especially like the infected boar king in that movie. Where it was like it, it, it was recognizable as like nature, but also very wrong. Yeah, right. Because he like yeah, because he's like he's got like vines and stuff growing out of him, and he's got like a, a tail like a seal. <laughs> or, or... Yeah, he's a complete. He's a complete mishmash of things. Like he's like he's no longer fully in control of how he's presenting himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, watch these out-of-control characters. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give these two episodes... Um, I'm gonna give them both fives, actually. Yep, same here. I can agree on that. All right. Now, Aaron, is it is it okay? No, almost. I'm okay. Go to the next Ta-ta, right. kill your dragon. Have a nice day. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about Violet Evergarden, episodes four and five. Uh, do you want to go back to Fade Extra? Uh, well, no, I just asked Aaron if, if he was ready to let me do it, and he said no. So, we're oh, doing Violet Evergarden next. 
I actually just okay. finished, so we can do fate. Oh, okay. Now, all right. Well, this is gonna be fun to tag because I'm gonna have to remember allow. like. I can't uh, wait when I'm like skimming through this episode. I'm like, all right, where do we begin talking about each one so I can properly timestamp it? And I why, like, why, don't you, why don't you make yourself notes and now, and I will be back. Okay, uh, so Fate Extra Last Encore episodes one through three. So, this is probably my favorite Fate adaptation, and I think adaptation is very, very loose. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely up there for me it's it's at the very least an incredibly strong start uh way stronger than any of the other fate adaptations have had um uh, i also as as much as i did enjoy saber and fate uh i should say artoria and fate zero i super like what uh shaft and nasu have done with nero in last uh last encore she's a very fun saber mm -hmm. yes nero is probably my favorite of the sabers yeah like honestly i know nisio eason isn't isn't working on this at all uh it's just shaft but a lot of nero's dialogue felt a very monogatari-esque to me yeah that was that was what was getting me was like it's like, okay, so this is what a Fate franchise in the hands of Shaft is like. And it is, you know, compared, it like, it's very odd, It's what it is. Yeah, it, it makes me think that, like, after working on the Monogatari franchise for so long, like, Shaft's uh, creative team has maybe, like, just sort of picked up some of uh, Nisio Isin's idiosyncrasies just through osmosis well uh, either that or it was shaft the whole time i mean possibly like that that's a good like because i've never really read the monogatari novels it's always tough for me to tell how much was him and how much was shaft uh that's especially true in regards to like um some of the more questionable elements of the monogatari franchise um but yeah, it's this this very much feels like a more action focused Monogatari show that also happens to star fate protagonists, um, and this is especially true of Nero and Shinji. Honestly, I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't realize that this saber was Nero because I thought she like. Okay, her personality is like way different than you know the saber that we're usually used to. But yeah, I kept on thinking like I kept on thinking like this is kind of it's like you know in terms of her design, she felt like an off-model saber. Yeah, that's basically. I remember when I first played Fate Extra, I was like, "Hey, Aaron, saber looks really different." And Aaron was like, "Yeah, it's because it's a different saber." I'm like, yeah. "Wait, what?" Yes. <laughs> Sabers come in many flavors. Yeah, there, there's kind of a saber face meme where, like, a lot of sabers just look like sort of off-brand Artorias. <laughs> and uh, Nero is one of those. Um, but also, I think Nero is superior to Artoria in a lot of ways. Uh, not as good as Mordred, but still very good. 
Uh, and, and it's because she's a lot more playful than Artoria ever is. Artoria is a lot more straight-laced and kind of, I guess you could say, white bread. <laughs> um, also, I do appreciate that in episode two, they explicitly mention Nero being omnisexual, which uh, makes up for the fact that the male, uh, the lead is a male character. Uh, though honestly, I the male lead is a lot more. He's a lot less bland than I was fearing he would be. <clears throat> like they actually have a pretty good rapport with each other. Yeah, that's right. Cause like I'm realizing, yeah, okay, yeah, this is supposed to be, you know, supposed to be an adaptation of a of a video game or whatever, but. Uh... So, the funny, so, the funny thing is, is it's almost entirely different from the video game, apart from like some of the basic elements of the setting. Yeah, yeah. Basically, other than the sort of general setting and personality of the characters, it's completely different. Yeah, like Wait. in, like, fate. For one thing, Fate Extra goes. Like, Fate Extra's universe goes off the rails immediately. Uh, whereas, if I recall correctly, it takes a while for that to happen in the actual video game. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. There's some, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, stuff that happens before, like, you even really get into the, uh, the meat of the game. Yeah, it has it has a lot slower start, whereas in Last Encore, it's like, yo, shit is going down right now. Um, and also, uh, I, I really like that Shaft is, you know, bringing their surrealist, um, well, I guess both surrealist and also magical realist uh, background tendencies to fate extra because i think it really fits the sort of kind of um i want to say uncanny valley nature of the virtual world yeah right in, in, in monogatari it always felt like a sort of quirky stylistic choice whereas in La last encore it's like oh of course the world will look like this because it's a weird ass computer program yeah, that's what uh, that's what got me about that's what got me about about this is like yes, this is where the shaft style makes perfect sense because it's all in virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, they they no longer need to sort of kind of base it in real stuff. It's yeah. perfectly acceptable to go as bizarre and off the wall as possible. I also like how most of the other characters have, like, pretty, like, normal shading on their hair. But Nero, like, is an exception. And she just has... Her hair is her hair is shaded to be, like, the most gold ever. It is, <laughs> it is so shiny. It is ludicrously blonde. Uh, which I find very funny. Um, and, and in the opening in particular... There are quite a few shots where <clears throat> Nero's hair reminds me a lot of how they would, how Shaft would sometimes animate Kiss Shot's hair uh, yes. in her adult form. 
where it's just like a sort of blinding gold. Uh, yeah, I, man, uh, I guess in, in terms of plot, like I'm almost, I'm almost not sure what to say about the first episode other than like a bunch of NPCs die. Shinji murders the main character and then the main character finds Nero by just like falling down a hole in like the center of the virtual reality thing. Um, and then they visit a sort of artificial paradise that Shinji created because like this was sort of where it gets to like, I actually really love what they did with Shinji here because he's easily the most sympathetic he's ever been and actually sort of realistically sympathetic where his whole thing is he he's given the chance to move to the next stratum but then he realizes like i just killed my friend and some other just random person just just to survive and now i and now my only reward is to go to another stratum with like more powerful people and I might just die anyway, and then their deaths and my struggle meant nothing. So it's like, well, screw that. I'll just stay here and try and create a paradise where people who don't want to deal with this dumb Holy Grail war can just hang out for all eternity. And yeah, it's cowardly, but also you kind of get where he's coming from, and you yourself might be tempted to make the same choice were you in his position. Yeah. Yes, for the first time, Shinji has Shinji has understandable motivations. Yeah, he's not just a complete shitbird. Um, uh, also, also he gets one of the coolest heroes, which is Francis Drake, who has who has an extremely large rack and a sweet ass scar across her face. Uh, and also a pretty a pretty great noble phantasm, where it's just like. I'm just going to summon a lot more ships to shoot giant lasers at you. <laughs> I do have my ship that shoots you, but I need more ships. So. Yeah, but what if I had like a dozen ships that could all shoot lasers? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really liked the... I also really like Rin's appearance in this show. Rin I don't looked... like her character design, though. I thought that character. I thought that design looked cool. Yeah, I could have dig her character design actually. Um, I don't know. There's something about her that puts me off. <laughs> uh, I also like that apparently she goes like Kaioken times ten, but we're not really sure what exactly happens. Well, so a few things about that. Um, first of all, there's it's time for pictures. Yeah, because, like, apparently, because she makes mention to, because, like, there's not really, quote-unquote, magic in this virtual world. It's all, like, code. Spiritron hacking. Yeah, Spiritron hacking. They're basically all just, like, super hackers, like, Matrix style. Mm -hmm. First of all, I hate them so much for taunting us with the Tomoko sticker. Or Tomino. Oh, oh, Tamamo. I, it... It'll be hilarious if they make Tamamo an enemy servant, and you have to watch my waifu kill your your waifu. That'd be it'd be even I worse will, if in like I every episode they they stick her somewhere <laughs> as, as like a sticker or a, just 
just dumb stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. the other point of that picture is that in that scene, she gives um, uh, the main character the um, like master potion thing, and then she gives Saber the uh, servant potion, and then she, she takes a servant potion. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that, but you're right. So um, she she may be a either a pseudo servant like Fate Grand Order style, or possibly a servant herself, a la Archer. Yeah, I'm. What I'm thinking is that she like merged with Archer or something. Oh yeah, so so pseudo servant then. Mm-hmm. Sort of like what uh, yeah again what happens to Mash in Fate Grand Order and also what happens to Waver in Fate Grand Order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... That would that would make sense, seeing as like she clearly does some sort of transformation. Not um, only that, but she beats the three berserkers. Yeah. Which even yeah, which even Nero wasn't able to do. Though to be fair, she was kind of interrupted by her master getting stabbed by twelve hot cops. <laughs> That scene was cool, and then he just yeah. goes, uh, where Yeah, he? they call him, like, what, dead face or something like that? Yes. Yeah, and then, like, they yeah. never mention it again. He does this. Yeah, it's it's a really good design. It looks super creepy. Um, yeah, so he clearly has some sort of rage-induced super hacker sort of skills, but um, it he doesn't really use them at all. It just the trigger happens and then Nero saves him and then it doesn't get mentioned again. Not yet. I'm sure it'll come up later. Oh yeah, probably. I can't remember if that was a thing in the game. I don't believe so. I don't so. remember it being a thing. No, I don't believe so. But yeah, there's... I really love this show. It's... Like, it's... It's a lot better than I was expecting a than I typically expect expect a fate show to be. I like because well, I mean like I enjoy Fate Zero. I, I I somewhat enjoyed Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works, uh, but those both of those shows had serious issues. Um, a lot of it had to do with their pacing, but also just there was especially in unlimited blade works this case there was a lot of bad writing um whereas i have not had either pacing or writing issues with last encore so far i well the first episode was kind of it felt off to me i i I couldn't i couldn't quite get into like the rhythm of it but the later the second third episodes really grew on me and it made yeah. me appreciate what was going on in the first episode more. Uh, I kind of like how off the first episode felt because I kind of feel like it was trying to put us in the mindset of the main character whose whole thing is like he has lost his memories of the school, you know, what the school was like before everything went to hell. Yeah, uh, that's And so I, it, it's kind of supposed to be like weird and and media res and surrealist so i actually kind of liked the mood it set yeah <laughs> but i can get why it would be initially off-putting yeah that's why that's why when that's why when the later episodes when i saw 
like what they were doing with this, what they were doing with this show, like the later episodes made the first episode make more sense. Oh, okay. You sort of enjoyed it more in retrospect. Yes. But yeah, I, I love what Shaft is doing with this. Uh, I appreciate that instead of just remaking the game, Nasu's just going wild with it. Uh, which is, I wish how more adaptations would be, even for even for shows where I generally enjoyed the sor- source material, I wish shows would take bigger risks with just doing something different. Because like, if I want to get the original experience, I can just just get that original experience again. Uh, if I'm watching an adaptation, I want you know a different take on it. Uh, so I, I like that it, he's going very experimental with how this adaptation is working. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how much input he has in control. Yeah, that's something I'm curious about, too. Like, I, I wonder how the writing is being divided up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it can't be entirely Nasu, because I know Nasu is not this skilled at dialogue. No, no. <laughs> he has never been this good at dialogue, ever. I love the guy, but... <laughs> also i don't know if it's a callback to uh carnival phantasm but when shinji uh stabs um <clears throat> the main character uh hakuno and he, and he yeah and he calls him because you're my friend so there's a similar thing where shinji comes up in carnival phantasm oh, to the friend maker compl- <laughs> yeah yeah, it complains to the Grail uh, that uh, that he has no friends, so the, the the Grail gives him a knife and calls it a friend maker. <laughs> oh man, that would be that'd be pretty funny. Like, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I now that I actually know more about the Nasuverse, I should try watching Carnival Phantasm to see if I'd actually get it now. <laughs> It's pretty entertaining. You'll probably still miss a lot of stuff because there's a lot of stuff from uh, Tsukihime, but yeah, yeah, I, I haven't really watched any Tsukihime, but I'd probably get most of the fate references. Yeah, at this point, um, there were. I'm real curious who the astronaut servant was. Yeah, I when when Aaron and I were talking about uh, talking about it on Twitter, I not Twitter on Steam, I had two theories. Um, where the most likely one, if we're sort of playing it straight, is the servant in the spacesuit was Buzz Aldrin. But if we were going full like um, anime Nasu verse <laughs> style, it's a dog girl version of Laika. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because of course. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if fate, fate, fate would absolutely make a sexy girl version of Laika. You know it. Yes. Yes, <laughs> they would. So, oh, and I have the uh, album art for this episode, Dustin. I can't wait. Oh yeah, we yeah. I absolutely need to. It, that's something I mentioned when we were right before we recorded. But I love that the character with the. Because I, I was waiting for the head tilts, and the character who does the most head tilts and just general shaftisms is Shinji. <laughs> Which, given that he is voiced by the same dude who does Aragi, kind of makes sense. 
But it's also hilarious because you generally well, expect that thing from like generally you'd expect that to happen with Nero. Well, it's the same. But... It's, a, it, it's the same voice as uh, the Shinji in uh, Unlimited Blade Works too. Oh yeah, I, I know. It's just like Shinji, like that that character doing. Sorry, that voice actor doing a different character, but still like in in a Shaft production. It's like, yeah, of course, give Araragi all the head tilts imaginable. Um, also, Aaron, were you satisfied by the Umu count in, yes. in these episodes? I am I am highly disappointed that Chu uh, decided to translate the Umu. Um, as well Instead as of just them... leaving it as Umu. <laughs> yes, as well as uh, translating the Shosa to uh, Maestro. Maestro, Instead yeah. of Praetor, which is what it's always been translated as. Which, yeah, I feel like... I mean, on the one hand, Maestro kind of makes sense for Nero, because, like, fiddling mm-hmm. is sort of what Nero is famous for, even though that's not what he actually did. Um, but yeah, also Praetor makes sense in this... Praetor also makes equal sense because Nero is Roman. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I much prefer Praetor. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm fine with either one because I feel it. Either one kind of fits with Nero. So it depends on whether you think that Nero would go for a name that was more a reference to like the political structure of Rome, or would make a reference to like music. I, I think just, either I one like... fits with Nero. Yeah, I like consistency. And like I said, every every other translated version has always been Praetor. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I really love this show a lot. Which man, I'm I'm so happy I can unreservedly enjoy unreservedly enjoy a fate sh- series for once. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Like uh, even even with like the clearly fan servicey like bathhouse scene, I didn't even really mind that much. <laughs> Nero is just fabulous. Yeah. I also like that the uh the main character just didn't freak out. No. He's mostly like, "Wait, why are you doing this?" Yeah. It's like because <laughs> it's cuz that's cuz that's what you do in Rome. Everyone's naked in Rome. Yeah, yeah. It's more fun to bathe <laughs> together. And he's just like, "Oh, well, all right then." Seems fine, but yeah, uh, it's clearly uh, fan servicey, but like it didn't really bother me mm-hmm. as, as much as it would in um, other shows. So they even handled that well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd definitely give all three of these episodes fives. Uh, I'm gonna give the first two episodes fours and episode three fives. Yeah, I'm gonna give them straight fives as well. Also, I'm not done talking about it. Sure. Uh, um, so this was an interesting scene. The uh, scene uh, at the, I think the end of three, where it looks like it's snowing, and then it zooms in, and it's like the master's body is falling down. Oh, right. I forgot about that. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, there, were, there was a lot of crazy visuals in episode three, like when the city is breaking down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one of the biggest problems I'm having is trying to figure out which visuals are part of the story and which visuals are just Shaft being Shaft. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, again, there's this one, which is like, yeah, that seems like something Shaft would do, except that's also something from Fate Extella. Oh, you mean the... Oh, the, the Red Barrier. Well, the Red Barrier is from the, the normal game, but uh, the Red Barrier and uh, Har Haruko... Or, bleh, uh, the MC being split into three is the main story point for Fate Extella. Oh right, I need to. I need to. I wonder if Fate Extella is on sale during the I Steam sale. I have it. Oh yeah, I guess I, I could I download I it from it. you. I'm pretty sure. No, I think yeah, I have the disc version. Anyway. Oh um, okay. Well, either way, I'll probably just. I'll check Steam to see if it's on sale. Yeah. Um. So that's. Another thing that I'm like, okay, so is that where they're going with it? Uh, yeah. Like, there's or, a lot of speculation I can do. Shaft. Um, and then there was some quality scenes that I felt were off, uh, like that one. And oh my god! Okay, so Fate Stella is on sale. Also, there are $62 worth of DLC, DLC, which is insane, and it's all outfits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course it's <laughs> like, outfits. You, you gotta dress up your waifus. Yeah. Oh my god, one of them is called Altera Next Door. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to dress good. up... So if you want to dress, dress up, uh, I think Altera is Hannibal, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. So you wanna wanna dress her up in like teenage punk gear. <laughs> oh god, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. Uh, um you can also get a shirtless Gilgamesh. <laughs> I mean why uh, would but, you not? Yeah, exactly. Gotta show that sweet Gilgamesh pecs. Uh, another long-running review night. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you have anything more to say about uh, Fate? Yeah, Extra? yeah. I'm not done. Um, sure. <laughs> there were also some scenes, well, with Nero here, but with the uh, the like police girls, where like the bottom of the eyes was weird, like that. You know, this isn't. You see fair what I mean? We're not sharing his images online. Oh yeah, this is going to be very confusing for yeah. Other I just people. just thought I'd mumble my way through that. Oh, uh, when you talk about bottom of the eyes, do you mean like, like underneath the eyes? There's like this weird. Anyway, maybe that's just me. It annoyed me. No, I think no, I, I noticed, think I noticed, it's just a, I noticed that it was it was it's it just was it's just odd. a weird it's just a weird visual thing with how they do the eye highlighting. I think. Because, like, if you notice, what seems like a separation is actually just, like, the bottom, like, two uh, parts of the eye highlight. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah it's just... It's, it's still really weird. It's just sort of, like, an, uh, the it's just highlighted sort of awkwardly to make it look like a solid split. Mm -hmm. and I really hope that, uh, that they explain Nero's uh, dress. I really do. But we'll see if they do that. Uh. Oh. Oh. I can't remember. Did they? Did Nero give an explanation in the original game? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because her dress is wild. <laughs> like... Yeah, so the thing with her dress and the see-through portion on the bottom is that, according to her, it's not see-through. She just lets you see through it. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, I forgot about that. Uh... <laughs> You're just allowed to see through it. I kind of love that as an explanation. Like it's it's extremely corny, but I also love what that says about Nero. I I, I like when like because I'm not inherently opposed to kind of ridiculous clothing for female characters. I am opposed to it when it makes no sense for that particular character. <laughs> um. <clears throat> But yeah, I I like what that explanation says about who Nero is as a person. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Do you I have believe... any more to say? No, I believe that is it for that. All right. I'm, I'm happy, honestly, because you rarely talk this much. Yeah, uh, so. I, it's because it's, it's an adaptation that I don't know exactly what everything's going to happen. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And also, and also, it's something like I could, you know, depending on how the rest of the show goes, but it's a, actually a fate adaptation I could see myself actually recommending to people who don't necessarily enjoy fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at least <clears throat> so far, it's not burdened with, you know, the usual stuff that makes fate kind of unapproachable well the catch though the catch though is you do have to like the shaft you do have to like the shaft style Cause, true cause, well <laughs> if you don't like monogatri what's wrong with you well uh, we'll see the the thing though is that like the the people i've tried to sh- get mono to get to watch monogatri like luke his his problem wasn't with the shaft style but rather with the pacing of monogatri Yes, so, it has cap- well, cases of drag the butt a lot. Yeah, so like, this show has the shaft style, but also it's actually got a, a pretty, uh, like, I, w- I don't want to say rapid, but it's got a pretty reasonable pace to it, where it doesn't feel like they're really wasting any time at all. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the shaft style it would be that much of a barrier, because uh, I, I think the primary barrier when it comes to Motogatri is just like the the pacing and just general like weirdness of that show um but yeah I th- cool. also we completely forgot to mention Rin's uh flying Tron cycle oh yeah Rin has a good Tron cycle <laughs> That like it, it doesn't have like hover jets or anything spinning on it. It's just flying. It's just a normal motorcycle with Tron lights flying. Sure. Yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's just um, another reason why Rin is great. <laughs> Rin is always the best. I um, can't wait till. Uh, I really hope we get to see Rin do magic kung fu. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they go with this. Oh, the other thing um, was that... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, 
it just was that it feels like due to the the opening scene in the first episode where it's showing the uh, female MC and Nero fighting something. Oh, um, you mean like the one of the opening scenes in the first episode where they're like fighting a giant Buddha or whatever? Yes, yes, that scene. Um, and then it it like gives no context, nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> and just moves on. Uh, and then um, the other thing is in the the second episode. Uh, once it goes through, it seems like there's been a huge time skip in between when the other masters got there and when uh, Hakuno got gets there. Yeah, because like when he gets to Stratum One, like uh, Shinji has already had his city operating for quite a while, mm-hmm. and he also the character design also looks older to me. Yeah, um, it yeah it feels like there's a chunk of time missing between when Shinji initially murders Hakuno and then when Hakuno gets to Stratum One. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what they're gonna do with that, and I'm speculating that the uh, the opening scene is because they also said that. Um, that this isn't the first time that the moon cell has done this. Yeah, we may have a Groundhog Day situation going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be real interesting to see what's going on next. Yeah. And like Nasu said, he's doing it so that people that have never played the game have fun with it, and people that have played the game are going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's doing a very good job of that. Um... All right. Uh, do you have anything else to say? No. <clears throat> all right. There was a lot to talk about because it was three episodes all at once. Yeah, so. it, yeah it's also the I'm first just episode, happy to so. see he's found something he's enjoying. Oh, yeah. I am. It's definitely good. It is, is 9,000% Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I suddenly understand why Shaft was chosen for this show. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, those committees do make wise decisions. All right. Now, let's talk about Violet Evergarden, episodes four and five, a show that is on the complete opposite end of the, end of the spectrum as Fate Extra. But still very good. Yeah, still very, very good. Um, I I kind of like how sort of... Episodes four and five, the two sort of focal point characters have kind of similar problems, but from kind of different directions uh, where they both feel kind of like put upon by burdens of how they are supposed to act. But that burden manifests itself in like a very different way. Uh, well, like, uh, where, like, in in episode four, where Iris, like, her parents clearly don't really respect her choice to become a auto memory doll, and they want her to find a good man. They want grandchildren. And, like, she just, and she just wants to like live life at her own pace without having like her parents' expectations shoved on her. Uh, whereas Drossel in the episode five her situation is that 
you know, she is expected to behave in a certain way when, like, courting someone, and she just wants to be honest rather than, like, sort of flower, like, flowery in a way that nobles are. Well, it's it's the arranged marriage thing, and she had no idea who she, I mean, she had the guy's name, but she had no idea what he looked like. She'd met him once, but she didn't know it until he said, oh, hey, remember that night in the garden? And she's like, ding dong. No, no, she knew it was him the entire Yeah, she time. knew it was him. No. The thing is, she she was just feeling, like, awkward about, like, you know, is it is it okay for this to be happening? Like, is this sort of yeah, wrong? Does he still remember me? Yeah. yeah. Like, does does he feel the way about me that I do? Yeah, I, uh... Yeah, I got that part. Yeah, so it wasn't that, like, she was, um, felt awkward. It wasn't that she felt uh, resistant to the arranged marriage. She just felt, like, kind of guilty about it, actually, um, because she was worried that he wouldn't have the same feelings that she does. Hmm. Okay, I may have misread that because I got it the other way around. It, it, well, I mean, it, it's that's fair because initially that's what you think it is. Um, it's, it's very intentionally meant to lead you into thinking that she is like reluctant to the arranged marriage, you know, in the typical way that you know the arranged marriage plotline works in fiction. Yeah, Prince Ogre shows up instead of Prince yeah, Charming. Yeah, I, yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas, like, she's actually totally okay with it. Um, because she actually likes the guy, but she's worried that he's being saddled with someone that he doesn't want because, you know, she's younger than him and, uh, she's worried that he, you know, understandably worried that he would want someone more his age. Mm, Okay. I, 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 yeah. And like, like that's essentially what the the texts of their letters are about and it's sort of revealed through the letters that he's had he has the same worries as she does um and eventually like she is the one to kind of like break through to him and say like no actually i i'm okay with this like i actually do want this to happen you're worrying too much well, I want to go back to Iris for a second because... Yeah, let's. Because the only reason is <clears throat> being jilted. And a lot of times parents don't know that a person's been jilted. Sometimes they find out accidentally. Sometimes they never find out. But, you know, when she looked at her mother and said, don't invite him, I knew before the plot was going to go on why and i was glad that it bore out right but it's like this gets back to every once in a while you know uh parents deciding how their children's lives are going to go uh yeah it's like you know uh, and i tell you i mean her mother was interested in one thing grandchildren she wanted it might find some of this guy settle down and 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 you know you're our only daughter, our only this, or oh yeah, when that when that only only line hits, that's yeah, that's that's where we're going. It's like, yeah, I'm lonely. Yeah, you know, yeah, and like, 
marry some schmo yeah. and give me a dozen grandchildren, you know? Yeah, and the, even though, like, Iris, um, you know, says rightly that, you know, she behaved childishly um, to what happened, like, I gotta be honest, I was on her side 100% of the time, and I have had situations where I have behaved in that same way towards my parents. Well, uh, like, even even now, I would probably be tempted to do that. There's, uh. there's a person I know that it's not an arranged marriage as you would think about it, but it's a marriage that had been plotted for many years, and somewhere along the line, they kind of sort of worked it out and decided to get married. But there was a time there that people were like, you sure? I mean, you, you know, you've known him for a long time. Don't you want to go find somebody else? You know, try test the waters, this, that. Mm, yeah, she pretty much held her line, but. And they're coming up on 30 some odd years of being married, but it's, you know, uh, yeah, I, I can see where the arranged marriage thing, and I know where the arranged marriage thing has gone terribly, horribly wrong. There are, there are a few things more frustrating, uh, as an adult than to have your parents try to subvert your free will. (laughs) And, you know, at the the, the place and time that this is being, that was, I won't say the norm, but it kind of sort of was the norm. You know, if you you weren't uh, early in the 20th century, if you weren't married by the time you were 16, you know, you were becoming a spinster. And if you weren't married by the time you were 21, you were an old maid. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that, that's also kind of the reason why I'm not making as much of a fuss about the plot line of the sixth episode being a romantic marriage between a 14 year old and a 24 year old. You mean the fifth, you mean the fifth episode? <laughs> uh, yeah. sorry. Fifth episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because the sixth uh, episode is supposed to be original. Right. Well, though. yeah, it was clear that it was clear that that like that it was supposed to be a political marriage. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, there, but like the people were hoping that it would be, you know, that there would be some real feeling there. And he yeah. got lucky. I mean, it, it, yes, the subverted way that Iris and the boss lady had to go about getting him to express their real feelings so they could cement the marriage. But that was an interesting point. And those two standing there at the end of the episode going, she goes, you know, you owe me big time. Yeah, but it worked out, but you still owe me big time. But yeah, but I mean, like, more of the point, like, the time period that the show is set in makes me a little more forgiving of that. Lenient. Lenient toward that plot line than I would be to the same sort of plot line in, say, Card Captor Sakura, where it's modern day and we should know better. Well, I... (laughs) Basically, anything <laughs> past the Second World War. Yeah, basically. Um, like, I if, mean, uh, if if you're past the Second World War, uh, probably probably shouldn't make storylines where uh, it's romantic for a 14 year old to be marrying an adult. I'm gonna just put that out there. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> even go then, there. Even then, you're mocking. Even then, you're walking a tightrope when. Well, if you take a look at the marriage laws in this state, you'd uh, fall off your chair. Uh, I don't want to think about it. Uh, I, <laughs> the only reason I'm thinking about it is because they're actually got a bill in the, in the House where they're going to actually try to bring it back to a logical age. We'll see how that works. 
but anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I, I really like how, like, there's sort of, like, this interesting disconnect with Violet where she's gotten actually super good at writing heartfelt letters, but she's still kind of struggling with, uh, bringing those same emotions to her actual like responses to people like uh, in person and we're still pretty sure that she does that she has not figured out that the major's dead yeah yeah uh, so it's interesting because she's like she like it's almost like she knows the formula of how to make a good letter but she does not yet know like why that formula works and then we it's get, fascinating and then it's it's a lot more interesting to me than her just still not being good at writing heartfelt letters well and then we get to the end of that episode where she bumps into captain what's his face and uh, he he dumps another little plot twist on her laps Oh yeah, yeah. We actually have some like meta conflict. Well, not meta conflict, but uh, an, an overarching conflict now has reared its head. Well, uh, and this is where it's supposed to roll back to the light novels. Oh, really? Was were some of these episodes like original anime? It, it looks that way, from what I've read. Oh, interesting. And out of order. Huh. The uh, apparently the original white novel um, was done out of chrono- chronological order, and this has kind of put it back into order. Interesting. Hmm. So yeah, this uh, this is heading in an interesting direction. Yeah. Um. I I'm still surprised by how much i love this show it also helps that it is gorgeous Mm -hmm. um it is easily the best looking anime this season Uh, yeah pretty much i'd have to agree with you yeah what i've seen um which is which is pretty impressive seeing as magus bride is, is still going this season and uh place further than the universe also has some like pretty solid animation too uh, yeah, yeah Violet, Violet Evergarden is just like ridiculously pretty. <laughs> I do love Violet and her constantly uh, correcting Iris. Oh yeah, when she exaggerates. Yeah, that's a lie. That's a lie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Iris is like, shut up. <laughs> it's like you're you're not the best. Not everyone like, hardly anyone ever quests you. And Iris is like, stop. <laughs> Mom, make her stop. (laughs) I did really like that scene. Uh, So I, I I also really like, I also really like the detail of uh, Violet recognizing the writing style of the person of the auto memory doll that the prince was hiring. Mm -hmm. Like that was a really clever way of bringing that character back. It felt like there was a time skip between episodes four and five. 
Yeah, it said in there yeah. that she'd been writing letters for a while, so yeah, that there was a time skip. Yeah, I think they said it was at least a month. I think it might have been more. I can't find it. Yeah, there were there was a. Uh... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it felt like there was a pretty significant time skip time time skip between three and four too, because like three pretty much ended with Violet sort of just getting out of the academy mm -hmm. um and then like in episode four she's like a super skilled writer suddenly mm -hmm. so there's definitely a time skip between three and four too I yeah feel. i imagine they're trying to get into the sort of meat of the stories like episode five yeah that would make sense oh well the end of it the uh the yeah, end of episode end of ep five when uh, yeah when that like uh when you get that like <clears throat> disgruntled soldier yeah. Captain Bly, they all come aboard my ship and carved up my crew, matey. Oops. <laughs> yeah, but you gain lots of experience in the past few months. That's from the beginning of episode five. Oh, okay, yeah. So there is a few month time skip. Right. All right. So I'm gonna give both these episodes fives as well. Yep. Uh, I can go. I can go along with that. Yeah. I agree. I'll. I will agree. All right. Let's move on to Kokoku, episodes five and six. Yeah, I'm also going to give both of them a five. Oh, okay. They're yeah. both real good. Nice. And I do, <laughs> I did like uh, in episode five when uh, they start sending like real letters <laughs> and they, and the, the reactions from the townspeople are just like, what, what are you doing? This isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Uh, it reminded me a lot of how people react to reality TV shows. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I love that they put that detail in with the uh, townspeople reacting to the letters as they're printed in the newspaper. Yeah, and how they get and how they get way more invested in those letters when the uh, people involved start writing them themselves. Mm -hmm. When it's not just flowery language. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kokoku episodes 5 and 6. Like, things are kind of starting to happen, maybe? <laughs> At least there's there there's there feels like there's a lot more forward momentum in episodes 5 and 6 than there were in the previous episodes. Uh, we learn a lot more about the characters, at least. And also, it spends a lot more time with the two female leads, who are definitely the most interesting characters. Yeah, but yeah, because we get the yeah we get this like uh, we we figure, we find out what uh, let's see uh, Shoko I think her deal she's the uh, the other uh, the the woman that's sort of kind of working for the bad guys but with her own thing going. Yeah, she's kind of using them as a means to an end. She doesn't actually care about their goals. Right. But yeah, and so but we find out like where she's coming from and I I thought it was really I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's like she's basically working with them because when she was a kid she got caught up in uh the main family's time stop and her entire family got turned into guardians. Right, and, um, and she she almost was too, but then 
the other female lead um, ba- used her spirit expel- expulsion power on her before she got turned into one. Also, I think this clarifies a question that Aaron had about like the uh, about how the timing of like going into the stopped world uh, works, uh, which is that basically when like when the uh, the Yukawas activate their stone, basically anyone within range of like the other stone. Uh, within a certain range of the other stone, gets sent into the uh, gets sent into the get sent into the stopped world, and yeah, and they fe- and and the reason and the way they were able to coordinate that they were able to figure out the timing because you know they were able to like be on hand because the cultists had cameras in the Yukawa house. Yeah, I mean that was from like episode two that we knew that. Yeah, but. No, but you were, you were, you were, I remember last time, last uh, time you were complaining that it was a, that, uh, that was a potential plot hole. No, basically because they would have had to have everyone constantly, their entire group of like a dozen plus, uh, uh, minions constantly around the stone waiting for them to activate their stone. That was the problem I had. Uh-huh. That that made no sense. Well, I think yeah. it is kind of funny imagining the group huddle, like right before the stone is activated. It's like, all right, every everybody, like, get around the stone now, pack in. It's your pizza, and let's go. All like two dozen of you, apparently, because like we just got gang members, like seemingly an infinite supply. Yeah, I'm sort of wondering when they're going to run out of people because uh, because uh, you got like you got people like you know either being kicked out kicked out of stasis by uh, by jury or getting uh, or getting their heads or getting their heads cut off by the heralds. Yeah, the heralds have killed like at least four or five now, and uh, the female lead has expelled like probably ten, maybe more. They keep respawning. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I I do really like the scene, though it's also a little ridiculous, where the sort of second female lead, the one who's working with the enemies, she's trying to summon her herald family. And she's like, okay, I just got to kill with intent. But she's not actually trying to kill the guy. Like, she's deliberately stopping the knife before she gets him. She's like, why isn't this working? It's like, duh, because you don't actually want to kill him. <laughs> um, whereas, like, the 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 dad of, like, the main family, like, he's just like, oh, you just gotta, like, want to kill this dude to summon him, right? And the grandpa's like, yeah, but... He's like, and he summons him almost instantly. It's like, what kind of sociopath is her father? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, they also, well, that that also be, is uh, a thing with uh, the leader of the uh, the leader of the cult, who uh, who's like, uh, who's actually like, uh, like he's control like carefully controlling the amount of killing intent. <laughs> 
that he projects in order to summon the herald. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. I I just thought that that scene in particular was pretty ridiculous because, like, they know how the heralds are summoned, so you'd think that she'd figure out why she wasn't being successful by around like the tenth time she brought the dagger down and then stopped right above his neck. It's like because the herald can tell you don't actually want to kill this dude. Um, but I do, but I do like that's partially like that scene because it's yet more evidence that her, the main female character's father is just the worst. Yes. Like, I, I don't think at any point has he done anything redeeming. <laughs> he's, he's done nothing good. Um, yeah, I... I still, like, want to like this show, um, and episodes five and six certainly helped because it focused on the more interesting characters, but, like, I still don't know what the hell this show is even doing anymore, like, sort of where we even go from here, because I kind of feel like the point is for the main characters to, like, finally get back together and then jump out of stasis, but... They seem to be taking their sweet time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that they probably won't get out of stasis until like nearly end of the near the end of the season. Yeah, probably. I, I also still have the complaint that, like, the the stasis just isn't particularly interesting as a setting. Like, there are cool ex extraneous bits to it like the heralds and shunting people shunting people's spirits from them but the actual mechanics of the state the stasis aren't super interesting except for like occasional instances where you get funny visual gags like a knife floating in midair so or when she words, tosses me- the stone at someone and they put their hands up but it only it only goes like a foot so, yeah so in other words me not watching this after the second episode has probably been a good thing yeah, I mean, like it's it's fine, but also I don't think it's really worth going out of your way for. I'm, I'm still enjoying it. I'm gonna yeah. give these ep- I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give these episodes. I'm gonna give these episodes fives. Uh, I'm gonna give them fours. I think. Okay. So uh, let's move on to a place further than the universe. Episodes six and seven. Uh, where in six the girls have fun and I believe it's Singapore. Yep. Yeah, because I recognize the hotel. Uh, that's what I see one of their like newest and like most famous hotels. Probably the most famous hotel they have. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's uh it's... oh right the Marina Bay Sands. I was, I was going to say the uh, Lost Passport. Oh yeah, also the man the emotions that uh oh gosh, I can't remember what her name is, but what she felt when she realized that she had the passport the whole time. Yeah. Uh, that's in her bag. That's a shira- and she just, shirase. Yeah, and then when she realized she just wasted like a million, a million yen. yen. 
Oh, it's all right. They're going first class. Like I haven't, I haven't had that exact experience to that extreme, but like, I understand that feeling of like, I am an idiot. And I can't let anybody know just how much of an idiot I have been. Well, yeah, that's the unresolved thing is, you know, did they let her just go get a passport or did she finally say, uh, skip the trouble, look what I found? No, they uh, actually, they did explain that, that she was able to cancel the tickets that she was able to get her million yen back. Uh, okay. Uh, she, was able to, she was able to get her million yen back, but for putting, like, for, for putting, like, herself and her friends, uh, like, uh, her friends made her eat a durian. Oh, that. Okay, oh, that right. Yeah, that's that. what that bit was about. Okay. Okay, that. Yeah, I, I missed that part. Yeah, it was uh this one. Yeah, the. It's funny because I remember the durian gag, and well, finding it funny, but I forgot what oh, prompted yeah. the durian gag. Well, well, yeah, and actually, what was what was also cool was. They sort of semi-built it up with having uh, having uh, Kimari uh, buy a, a cup of durian ice cream and like feed it to and like you know like feed it to try and feed it to people and everybody's like ew. I I love how the background of this image of two of them like next to a ant like a drawn durian like the background is basically a photograph of a bunch of stacked real durians. Yep. Or at least it looks like it is. It's very surreal. Also in this episode, we have <laughs> the poor celebrity complaining about how long it took to get to the hotel. They're like, whoa, what do you mean? And then it bans to them, and they have just stupid crap that they bought, including a selfie stick. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, they just bought a bunch of dumb gift shop souvenirs. Well, tourist. It's great. I, 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 I like how... Uh, I like how the... Oh, she, she worked a convenience store. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, She's the other, like... Uh, Hinata. Yeah, I like how Hinata is both, like, an enabler of the other energetic girl's, like, gankiness, but at the same time is also kind of the most pragmatic and cynical of the group <laughs> well okay so all right keeping this keeping the girls straight okay the main character i can never remember their names right and okay the problem is, is that also both pairs look very similar <laughs> well all right yeah well so the main uh like so the main the main character is marion who's like the uh yankee airhead kind of airhead character uh okay all right so that's uh, that's Mari, and then uh, yeah, Shirase, Shirase is yeah is like the one obsessed with Antarctica, but who's also kind of uh, socially awkward and shy, and yeah, and cannot film a documentary to save her life. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, let's see, the convenience store girl is Hinata. Okay, and the uh, and the and the uh, actress oh, is Yuzuki. Yes. All right. Yeah, I just looked up the Wikipedia entry, so that'll be helpful for me. <laughs> it's also nice because they order the characters by their appearance in the show. So, well, the main characters anyway. 
but yeah, I really like how Hinata is both an enabler and also the, in some ways, the most mature. <laughs> um, that happens occasionally. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So what this shows is that these, like, each of these characters has like more than one dimension to them. Yeah. Uh, I also really like how Yuzuki is just so much better at fil- like doing interviews and filming stuff than Shirase is. Right, uh, because she's a professional. Because like, Shir- she's a professional actress. Yeah, Shirase goes in front of a camera and is like. Yes, hi. This is a ship. It has a snow cat. Yeah. And, and do you have any idea who Shirasi's voice actress is? Kana Hanazawa. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry right now. So you you think of all the things that Kana Hanazawa has done, and then she's doing this. Yeah. Uh, bravo. Uh, but yeah, I really like all these characters um episode uh, episode six was pretty good but i really loved episode seven yeah where we find out that maybe things aren't as um especially when the characters go out on a sneaking mission and maybe the like least cons- least inconspicuous sneaking gear imaginable you mean <clears throat> that yeah they just go out with like bandit head hoodies on them Oh. Also, <laughs> from uh, episode six, I like the um, the celebrities. You're hiding something, aren't you? And then the character shows a slight reaction, and then she just says it again. You're hiding something, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like oh, oh god, she's gonna reveal it. That was really good. <laughs> but I like the directions. So which way should we go? And everybody's pointing in a different direction. It's like, yep. you know, if they didn't put the big sign on their cabin, they'd probably never get back there at night. Yeah, and Hinata's all, well, glad we're on the same page then. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, there was this, actually, there was this really great YouTube video uh, from uh, Mother's Basement where he analyzes the, uh, the, opening, the opening in depth. The opening is really good, too. Yeah. Like, I love the opening sequence in... Uh, this anime, um, I also really like Kokoku's, but uh, this one's a lot of fun. Yeah, especially right. at the end, especially at the end where there's lunch, but there's not lunch. Well, uh, I, I also really like the scene of them like flipping their sunglasses up and down. <laughs> it's really funny, uh, which is partly why like it. The whole gimmick of what they're doing in Antarctica also makes sort of like their antics work for me because they're not just like sort of just doing antics just to do antics because like they're artificially kind of excitable girls like they're like they're they're doing like a documentary and they're very much sort of sort of behaving this way also partially just because they're plugged into social media. (laughs) And that's just what you do when you are Instagramming yourself. Well, and the other thing is, is they're, you know, we're going to put up an observatory and somebody's looking for their mother. Yeah. Um, But their reactions are very, and the way they interact is just very, like, realistic for uh, a group of 
uh, girls who are friends and are also posting goofy stuff online about their trip to Antarctica. <laughs> like, Which I think finally some of their friends finally believe that they're actually going there over out. Well, and what's also interesting is, is, is what they're getting into is they're getting into the issue that like this is a specifically this is a private sector project which is and they're having and they're having to deal with like the problem that they can't you know they can't rely they can't rely on government funding or anything like that and so they're having issues with like raising like actually keeping the project going like monetarily and logistically Oh yeah, and it's you know the the crew shortage and everything else in the in the episode where he's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on around here? Well, hey, welcome to you know uh, barely uh, funded, and we're getting by by the skin of our knee. But when we get there and we're famous, then everybody will be happy. Well, of course, right. the history of the previous expedition losing members didn't help at all. Everybody bailed on them. Yeah. Yeah, so, there, there's a lot covered here. I mean, there's this is more than like Dusty said, cute girls going to Antarctica. Yeah, I'm. I'm. This this show has really impressed me so far. Uh, I'm going to give these episodes fives. Of course. Nothing. Oh but. yeah. Whoops. I I also really like their discussion when uh, Hinata and. Um, uh, Yusuke, Yuzuki, yeah, uh, see the bunk beds and are like, this is going to end in tears. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 there's four? Oh, no. Right, because because when they were in Singapore, like, they had to play rock, paper, scissors uh, to determine who had to share the room with Mari. <laughs> yeah, because Mari always lines up on the floor or elsewhere. I like that. She rolls her over in bed and gets ready to lay down next to her and she flop. <laughs> yep. Rolls yeah. back over. It's like flop. I'm like, yeah, I, I know that flop. I've seen that flop before. Also, I really, <laughs> I really like the scene where they're introducing the girls to uh, to the everyone else, <laughs> and and she's just like, yeah, they're actual high school girls, which means they're not legal. Yeah, and it's like I'm looking at you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Toshio, you hear me? What what did I do? It's not what you did, it's what you're thinking about doing. No. <clears throat> yeah. There, yeah, there, this, there, the show is just like really delightful, honestly. There, yeah, there's some quick fast one-liners that if you if you're not paying attention, they sleep sneak by you and you're like Wait a minute, what? And then you back up and go, oh, that's yeah. what she and, said. And, and a big reason why I like it so much is that it's not just like all saturine sweetness all the time. Uh, it is a blend of that. Like there's, because like even sort of the, again, like Hinata is, you know, like a lot of times very ganky, but also she's got that dry wit to her too. 
Um, it's not just like one tone all the time, like a lot of these uh, sort of cute girls doing cute things shows are. Um, it's got a wide variety of tones and emotions to it, so it feels a lot more natural and realistic. Yeah, and, this, they, and, and they're heading... especially in episode, especially in episode seven, where they do t where they do cover sort of the the downside of the the problems that they're having. Yeah, it's not just you know everything always goes right for these girls. Oh no, and yeah, again, you know the the underfunded civilian expedition. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how underfunded civilian expeditions are nowadays. You know, if you don't have. Uh, uh, an institute or a, a benefactor behind you, yeah, you're you're going down on the shoestring budget to end all shoestring budgets. But yeah, anyway, <clears throat> I give these episodes fives. Yep, I believe I did Definitely. too. Uh, we do have a couple questions. All right, awesome. Uh, so, Wait, uh, these... what about Frank's? Oh, yes. Um, uh, cause, did I miss Yeah, even though yeah, Dusty Dusty didn't watch Darling in the Franks, but Aaron and I did. And it was and a hell good. of a thing. <laughs> it's really entertaining. Right. <clears throat> so let's see. Yeah, so so the issue with a lot of these episodes is yeah is how you know you know, as how Hero, you know, he wants to he wants to get back in the robot with uh, with Zero Two, but uh, you know, but the adults won't let him, which is uh, actually kind of a yeah, kind of an interesting in a kind of an interesting inversion of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of mech show uh, tropes. Cause, yeah, where the NC doesn't want to get in the robot. Right. Looking at you, Shinji. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this guy is not a Shinji. Okay. Which is especially noted at the end of episode 5, where basically his body has like this blue cancerous growth on him, and she just asks again, are you sure you're going to ride with me? You you know that no one's survived more than three rides, right? It's like, Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's it's really good. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm real curious because, like, there's a lot of stuff that I could analyze, but I'm not sure if it's if I'm over analyzing it or if they actually are trying to be smart about things. Uh, such as what? Okay. So, uh, such as, wait, what do you mean my message is too long? <laughs> You're not in sky. Right, essentially, like the, the deal with Hero, um, that his body isn't breaking down, but it's running too much. And that's the reason why she normally
normally eats like the crap ton of honey on things and then makes him eat it is to try and keep up with the massive energy demands of running at 110 percent um Uh, well, right, let's I see if I can put it in. Well, Skype. What I my the impression I got the impression I got was that uh, what was happening to him was the uh, like the vector for for him, like the, like the reason why he's transforming is because uh, is because he kissed zero two. Yeah, I mean, they they said that before that there's some sort of uh, contamination. Well, it's yeah, it's because she's got uh, she is part uh, Claxosaur. Mm -hmm. So I just sent it to you in a in a direct message, but that's the the thing is that it, like there's a lot that can be analyzed about it, but I'm not sure if they're doing it on purpose or if it's just people going way out of things. So it's interesting, but I really like the show. It's real fun. Um, animation is real good. Everything is it's good. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm. <clears throat> I'm in, I'm enjoying it too. The uh, I like the like the pacing and the direction is like on point, and the and I and. <laughs> You know, some of the characters are, like, a lot of the characters are annoying, but, you know, not in a way that, but in a realistic way. The only character that I find annoying is the, uh, the one who always thinks he's better than everyone else. Uh, Zorome? Zorome, yeah. He's the only one I find annoying. Right, but, yeah, he'll, he's probably, <laughs> yeah, he's probably either gonna learn or die. That's my guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting, cause that, like that's another thing. I'm not sure where they're going. As sort of a, are they gonna make this dark turn, or are they gonna try and keep things light? And I'm about eighty percent sure that there's gonna be some real dark turns here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that like whatever like the adults are plotting is going to come to fruition or they're going to try and make it come to fruition and shit's going to get real. Mm -hmm. Especially in episode five where they talk about how uh, the other uh, parasites have heard about Hero, which is kind of odd. Um, and also that their mechs are like completely unique and different. And they, uh, the children from the other plantation are like, no, we just get all standard mechs. Right, and there was a reference in the at the beginning of episode four to how the uh like the uh the the pilots of uh of of plantation thirteen were uh referred to as tainted tainted stamens. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. So yeah, so like whatever so so there is something about there is something it like hero is not the only like distinctive one like every like all of his friends also are unusual in their own ways mm -hmm. and I'm sort of interested to see how they're gonna how they're gonna how that's gonna play out mm -hmm. also 
uh, one of them asked the question of, uh, have you ever seen any of the pilots become adults? <laughs> and the guy responds with, become adults? They don't know? <laughs> and then it just kind of gets, like, hand-waved away. So, we'll see. We'll see. I really like this show. I'll give both episodes a five. Uh, I'm going to give them fours. Alright, sorry Dustin. Okay, so uh, let's move on to the questions so I can go to sleep soon. Yeah, uh, uh, my doorbell's I, about to ring again too. Yes, so I believe uh, it's just from Dayriff, right? Yep. From episode 353. Uh, yeah, so uh, asks, is the Bacacast crew doing alright? It's been nearly four weeks since you posted podcast. Yeah, we're fine, I just have a horrible editing yeah, I, schedule. I, I, I answered below. <laughs> uh, anyway, I have some thoughts on the new season. March comes in like a lion continues to be excellent. It's a very grounded half sports anime, half drama that insists on a realistic look at both shogi as a sport, depression, and health issues. In the most recent episodes, it's revealed that a major character is partially deaf without making a huge point of drama, but nevertheless an aspect that informs who they are. Uh, after the rain, Koiwa Amayagari is pretty good. It lives and dies in whether you find the main character, Akira, interesting, and I do. She's a fascinating mix of stoic cool beauty combined with rare moments of childishness that remind you she's just a teenager. Her crush on a much older man is unhealthy, but how she arrived there feels pretty, pretty believable. And it is an interesting bit of meta how the blonde teenager in episode 4 forces her into a date and then does all the things that television and manga probably told him is supposed to turn a girl's reluctant no into a yes and Akira ends the date despising him more than ever. He seemed honestly surprised as though popular fiction has failed him. Killing Bice is trashy and awful. I'm watching it because it's trash. Uh, Kokoku is fascinating and supernatural mystery slash action show that stars a family just pathetic enough to identify with. That's a good way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> One thing I appreciate is how the villains are always yelling at the protagonist in a bullying way, even as they try to kill them. Hey, what do you think you're doing? You think you're going to run from us? Get over here. It makes them feel so much more real and awful than regular anime villains, as we instinctively assume that if someone is yelling at us, we must be doing something wrong. Uh, a place further than the universe is amazing. Honestly, an early anime of the year can candidate. And in a way, it's just a cute girls doing cute things show, but it has something to say about being willing to take a chance on a crazy adventure when you're young. Going, into, going to Antarctica is a stand-in for all the chances we want to take, but are too scared to try. After five episodes, the four main characters are more fleshed out than, the, than other characters ever managed for one character. Yeah, so I... Um, like it sounds like you pretty much agree with him, uh, Ben and Larry, for after the rain. Um, I pretty much agree with him about Killing Vice being trashy and awful, with the difference that I am not watching it, <laughs> precisely because it's trashy and awful. I'm uh, I'm watching it. <laughs> Darif is onto something there. It yeah, it's it's like one of those things that you just watch it and you're like, yes, it's trash, and so am I. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with A Place Farther Than the Universe being a very early contender for anime of the year. And uh, um, Though Fate Extra is making a, a strong argue, argument as well. But, uh, uh, go ahead, Larry. Sorry. Oh, no. I, I was just uh, going to comment on the, on the uh, previous one was like, yeah, I 
uh, okay, brain dead. Um, you know, I hate it when that happens. I was going to say something, yeah. and it just went, <laughs> pew. See you later, bye. Uh, I'll think about it and get back with you. <laughs> but yeah, so, I don't know, uh, do you have any comments about uh, day riffs? Like, it was, we pretty much, I think, agree with uh, I uh, think his analysis of those shows, I think. Yeah, well, I think, okay, the, the one thing, the thing about After the Rain, I think the, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the blonde guy in episode four, he's not actually a teenager, he's like, I think he's like in his 20s or something like that, because uh, he's the, because uh, he is the, uh, he's the chef at the restaurant. So, yeah, and it's like, you know, he was, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that point where he was on the phone talking about the tutoring job, and he was all excited about the tutoring job, and then somebody said, oh, by the way, it's a dude. He's like, oh, what's the dude stuff, man? I don't want no dude. You know, go give me a nice teenage girl. I'm like, yeah, this date's going to work out really fine. Not well, and also, he gets he gets her to he gets her to date him by practically black by blackmailing oh, her. Oh, he did blackmail her. There was no <clears throat> yes. practically about it. Yes, right, because because uh, he... She, she lent him he, his book, and yeah, the book had told a tale that she's like at the last minute it was like the lights came on but she was too dear into the headlights to do anything about it right yeah because she, she had this yeah one of her uh, her textbook she had been uh like doing these romantic doodles of uh of uh of the manager in the in the margins of in the margins of her book and uh when the uh when the chef saw the doodles he was like oh i see what's up i can yeah. use this yeah, a little a little blackmail he thought was good for the soul. Her mother's reaction to her watching the same movie twice was like, "Huh?" Yeah, that was. I think that the when she, when the mother says, "Wait a minute, you went and saw the same trashy movie twice? What's wrong with you, child?" But anyway, it, it's right. it's having promise. Anyway, uh, I really need to get to sleep. Yeah. So, Good night, yeah. Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that'll be it for this episode of BakaCast at just over two hours. Please kill me. Um... <laughs> okay. Go you. I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry in the least. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're close. As you always, can you, can, you, you can send us comments or questions at either projecthowardheat.net or uh, on audioentropy.com, or you can send us an email at bakacast at projecthowardheat.net, or message me on Twitter at stillsthegm. Or message me on Twitter at deathslunky. Anyway, Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kitterbush. Good night, Dusty. Night. Okay, <laughs> back in my day, we would download it off of like Kazaa, and then we didn't know what we were getting, so we were lucky if it was subtitled. I remember one episode, it had subtitles, but there was no audio, and it was like 240p, and you know what? I enjoyed it.